1: Welcome back to Four to Six with A and B, your Ohio State podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by my best friend of the whole wide world, Ari Wasserman. Ari, we got like a million questions in this here mailbag episode, so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to mess around too much here in the beginning. We're going to get into those questions here in short order, but I do think we should probably give some quick thoughts on Ohio State versus Indiana this week. Uh, you said that the spread from our friends at BetMGM is Ohio State is a twenty-one point three touchdown favorite on the road Saturday night in Bloomington. How do you feel about that spread? How do you feel about this game? I think I think there's some thought, perhaps, that that Indiana's defense could give Ohio State a little bit of a game. I, I'm not sure I'm there. Where are you?
2: Give me a reason why Ohio State doesn't score 52 points, and then I'll tell you what my, my pick is.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I am, too. Because, like, Indiana – I mean, Indiana's defense is good. It might be the best defense Ohio State's seen thus far. But I think – and there's, like, a question about this, I think, later – I feel like all the stats in the Big Ten are, like, inflated, especially the defensive stats, because all the offenses besides Ohio State stink.
2: Yeah, I think that Ohio State's going to score with relative ease. Uh, and then unless you think that Ohio State's defense is going to give up 42 or 35 points, which if we're going to be talking about them in the context of one of the five best teams in America, they can't. Right. Um, you know, I think that last year when Indiana was was as good as they were ever going to be. Ohio State had no problem scoring on them. What did they score 35 points in the first half of that game? I can't remember.
1: It was 35-7 yeah. at halftime. Yeah. yeah,
2: so they scored 35 points at halftime, and that was the best version of themselves. I think Ohio State has the best offense in college football. I think Indiana has regressed back toward the mean. Um, I think that Ohio State's going to be scoring in between 40, 45 and 60 points for the remainder of the season outside of maybe two or three games, and I think this is one of those games where they just pour it on. Uh, even if Ohio State's defense shows a few Issues. I don't see a situation where Indiana is within 21 points in this. I, I think I see something like 52 to 24 or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's about where I am, too. I, I would say 50 – no, 52 – I'll go 52. 52-17, um, which I think might have been the score when they played in Bloomington last time or something close to that. That was like just a, a total uh, dog walking, if you will, uh, on on Ohio State's behalf of, of Indiana. Can you explain last time to me what dog walking means? I think it just means you're dragging them along a little bit. I don't really know. I've heard people use that as a verb before, but I'm not actually sure what it means in this context. But it was the first thing that popped into my head that didn't involve a swear word. Yeah, I
2: just, I never really knew what that meant. Shit pump's
1: good. Shit pumping. Yeah, good old fashioned shit pumping. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this is – like, Kevin Wilson's Indiana was really good on offense and, like, scared you a little bit and terrible on defense. Tom Allen's Indiana, for the most part, has been terrible on offense and pretty good to a little better than that on, on defense. And I think this is this is that kind of team. Um, I just don't think they're going to be able to score really at all on Ohio State. Um, even And that's not really saying much about where I think Ohio State's defense is. I just think Indiana's terrible on offense. Um, and while this defense has some dudes, Indianas, that I think are um, – Worth keeping in mind, especially a linebacker, Uh, they could be without their two best corners, um, which would make it really difficult going against Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And I just don't think it's the same style of defense. Like I wrote a little bit about this this week, they really came after Ohio State last year, and that was like, that wasn't just an Ohio State thing. They blitzed a lot last year; that was like the identity of their defense, and it's not this year. And it's not to say they won't come after CJ Stroud. I'm kind of hoping that they do because I want to see how he reacts to that. But I just don't think it's the same kind of deal, and I also think this offensive line might be a little bit better and a little bit more equipped to, to handle some of that stuff. So I don't think Ohio State really sweats it either. either. So 52-17 is where I'm at. Fifty two is the perfect, uh,
2: the perfect sp- uh, point total for a team that has forty five comfortably in the beginning of the fourth quarter after like scoring at will, and then they score that one garbage touchdown, and either it's either the late pick six or you know the fumble recovery or the the long run or pass from the backup quarterback, you know, that always kind of gets the cherry on top. Um, I don't think Indiana is anywhere near as good as they were last year. And I'm not necessarily sure. And I hate to be that guy that they were all that good last year either. You know, I think they played (laughs) a bunch of weird, weird, weird games in a COVID year. And they scored a bunch of points after Ohio state took their foot off the gas. And I think people viewed them as like the next best thing, but I think they, Indiana is,
1: um, Indiana. Yeah. I think I think that's right. I think that's right. And I also think, uh, I I don't know how much this factors in, but I'm not sure Ohio State appreciated very much Indiana trying to stake a claim to the Big Ten East division title after Ohio State beat them. So that might factor in here too, and Ryan Day might might maybe try to tackle an extra touchdown because of that. Uh, yeah. So, so I feel pretty good about 52-17. I feel, I feel very good about a cover. I feel pretty good about a blowout for Ohio State. All right. You want to dive into some questions? Yes. Let's do it. All right. We got a bunch. We appreciate you guys sending them in on Twitter, on the email, and of course in five star Apple Reviews. Here is the first one from Peter Sherman on Twitter. If Urban Meyer was the coach this season, would he have made the defensive changes that Ryan Day made?
2: I read this question and I'm like, this is how where we're starting. Like, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I think that we could say that he would have made them, but he would have waited till after the season to make them.
1: I think that was his MO, right? I think I think that's right. Yeah.
2: I think that people might have been fired or a new coordinator from somewhere else would have come in like the Chris Ash situation. And I think that's a good thing. I don't know that I would have trusted urban Meyer's ability as a CEO of the program to reorganize a defensive structure in the middle of the year and make it work. And I'm not even certain they've done it this year. Maybe they have. And we'll, we'll find out here in the next few weeks, but that is a really hard thing to do. And urban was pretty steadfast in his ways and certainly was loyal to his assistants.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially I mean, if this situation was like Urban trying to decide if he wanted to demote Kerry Combs, like I think that would have even made it a little more difficult on Urban. Um, I is that
2: a fact though? Like, is that like has he been demoted?
1: He was a defensive play caller, and he no longer is. He still holds so he's title. not demoted
2: in title. He's just demoted in responsibility, and that Correct. has caused him to wonder about his future
1: at Ohio State.
2: Yes, he which is something that I think that Ohio State or Urban wouldn't have never done to Kerry.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think, and Ryan Day said when he made a decision, like you can't worry about feelings. Um, and I think Urban, for his for as ruthless as he was in a lot of ways, I think maybe would have considered the feelings of his assistants in the situation and perhaps not been as drastic as uh, as Ryan Day was. And he's had like he had opportunities too, like you mentioned. After 2013, defense sucked. He didn't make a change until after the season. Um, their offense was terrible in 2015 and 2016. He didn't make a change until 2017. Uh, the, I think the closest he came to this was when he like reassigned play calling duties between Ed Warner, Ed Warner and Tim Beck. but I'm not entirely sure how drastic of a change that was because I always kind of considered those two guys like calling it in tandem with Urban anyway. So this was very drastic. this I don't think Urban ever did anything like this. not only you know, shuffling roles and, and in essence demoting his defensive coordinator, but also structurally changing the defense in a pretty dramatic way. Yeah, So yeah. I don't think he would have done it. Yep. All right. A lot of playoff questions.
2: I'm which I'm so happy we're here. It's my favorite thing love. in the world. I love playoff. All
1: right. So these are uh, these are two questions in a similar vein. I'll I'll grab the one from the five star review because we said we would read your questions if you left the five star review. It
2: actually <laughs> worked. So t- let's do it again.
1: People yeah, are yeah. listening. Leave a five in the review. middle. Of, do it in the middle of the show so that everybody hears it. That's right. Leave a five star review with a question. We'll answer the question on the show. Guaranteed. Uh, guaranteed. Yeah from Caddy Mac via Apple 5 star review. Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC Championship. Cincinnati and Oklahoma stay undefeated and are conference champions. Ohio State wins out and wins the Big 10. Who gets left out of the playoff and why?
2: Cincinnati because they're in the Group of 5.
1: Yeah, like that felt it felt kind of simple to me cuz we've like seen that before, right? It's just like sorry, like you have a place at the table right now because None of the bullies came by to take it yet, and maybe they won't come by to take it, but as soon as they show up to take it, you have to get up. I
2: think Cincinnati needs Georgia to beat Alabama.
1: Yes, Cincinnati's fate, I think, is largely tied to whatever Georgia decides it wants to do the rest of this year.
2: Yeah, I told myself that I would never have a discussion entertaining the group of five making the playoff ever again. Cincinnati's circumstances this year have been by far the best. It's like our yellow brick road to the playoff. They beat... Two power five teams, one of which was Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a one-loss team that has a very manageable schedule because their entire schedule was filled up of teams that were supposed to be good that aren't. Teams like USC and North Carolina, teams like that, where mm-hmm. you know you would think that if North Carolina or USC were what they were supposed to, that Notre Dame would lose. Because Notre Dame's not that great. Um, so that would continue to give potential to Cincinnati having a top 10 win. But still, even with all these factors that you're taking into account, Cincinnati still needs help. The group of five will never not need help or control its own destiny in October. It just won't until the playoff expands.
1: There is an important game for Cincinnati. Like I think people listening might care about Cincinnati's playoff hopes because they are in Ohio, obviously. Um, SMU and Houston, I think, play in two weeks. And Cincinnati is scheduled to play SMU already. And I think like whoever wins that SMU-Houston game is probably going to go to the AAC Championship too. I think it would behoove Cincinnati if Houston won that game so that Cincinnati didn't have to play SMU twice. Because I think if, if Cincinnati on its path beats a ranked SMU and a ranked Houston, rather than beating just SMU twice, I think that could mean a little more for them. But even then, also still, beating I the still same team twice is
2: hard. I think
1: it is hard. It's hard. It's it's a difficult path for that reason. But I also think you get a little less credit for doing it too if you pull it off, fair or not. So um,
2: yeah, no. Cincinnati needs help though. I think that I think we all can agree on that.
1: Yeah, they weren't. I mean, I give them all the credit in the world for beating Notre Dame in Indiana because we told them you have to do that, and they did it. Um, it's not their fault that those two teams turned out to not be quite as good as everyone it's thought they Is the next be. question
2: the same exact one?
1: Yeah, so I'm not going to read it, but it was from Mr. Oh, Red. I'm sorry, Day. it was for Mr. Red Day on Twitter who asked the same question, and there were there were honestly probably four or five others along the same lines. I think. Assuming I think Ohio people... State
2: wins out, and Oklahoma and Cincinnati went out, then Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. Who were the four playoff teams? Okay,
1: yeah, that's the I, same thing. I think there's some some uh, fear here with Ohio State fans that they could win out and still get left out.
2: I think that that is a general fear every time they lose early in the season. That's never not been a fear. Um, right. I think that you could, you will find, and here's what I'll say you can find an increasing amount of people who are willing to say that Ohio State is the second best team in college football right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I think people are coming around to it. Ohio State's offense will continue to keep them sexy, which I think if you're going to have a a busted up defense or a busted off offense, having a busted up defense is certainly more overcomable from a national perception standpoint. Um, if Oregon wins the Pac twelve and is a one loss team, I think things can get a little dicey in yes. this scenario, plus Oregon not losing, because you're also keeping out other teams that aren't dead out of the playoff yet. It's like if Oklahoma State wins out and there's only you know, I mean, there's certain scenarios I think, but if Ohio State's a one a one loss Big Ten champion, the only team that I think could take their spot as a one loss mm-hmm. champ might be Oregon because the committee might give them the head to head. Which I think might be fair, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, even then, I still don't think that they would put them in over Ohio State.
1: Yeah, it would be a fun conversation. Like, it's not; it wouldn't be cut and dry. The head, the head—we've seen it before. The head, the head's not a trump card. So, um, the body of work I think matters more. And like, if since if Oregon like scrapes its way to not losing again, and Ohio State just like kicks the shit out of everyone who plays the rest of the year, I don't think that head, to head would matter very much.
2: But if you are in the end. committee room, what would you pick? We're picking between two teams here. To go in the playoff, these two teams played 1-1. I think it's – even though there's a lot of different protocols, like I would see why Oregon could win that battle if it came down to that.
1: I agree, and I think I would pick the team that won the head-to-head, but I just don't know if the committee in total would would end up at that resolution. I don't think they would. Um,
2: Yeah, yeah, but all the scenarios that people are worried about, though, they're not mentioning Oregon. And I think that they – it's like funny, there's this like – position between not wanting Oregon to lose again because you don't want your loss to look bad but also being like wait a minute boys why don't we lose one more just in case because <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to put yourself in a position where actually I think Oregon's going to lose on Saturday so it doesn't really matter but they're Who playing they play? UCLA they're they're oh, yeah. a two-point dog on the road you know maybe they'll win by a hundred but Oregon is just not a very good football team right now
1: yeah I think uh, game day is going to that game uh here's a question we've we've talked about this a little bit so I don't know if we have to spend much time on it but maybe just to maybe have our own some points and piss off some people uh, from Ryan Holbrook on Twitter, are the Big Ten teams – Spencer's brother. That's right. Maybe it is. Are the Big Ten teams, the top Big Ten teams, I guess excluding Ohio State, uh, Iowa, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State, paper tigers. And then Ryan says, they don't impress me offensively, and the defenses are so, quote, good because they have not played an offense with a pulse. Yes. <laughs> I think I think you could be on to something. Um, yes. I, I will say, I do – I do consider Penn State's defense to be pretty legitimately good, um, and I, I can could maybe be convinced about Michigan's goodness being a little more legitimate than maybe the others there. Um, I don't know. Iowa. I think Iowa, Michigan, and Michigan State are pretty hard evaluations. Um, Penn State has the recruiting pedigree. Let me ask I you this, Doloby.
2: Is there a team that Ohio State won't beat by 14 for the rest of the year on their schedule?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. But
2: Paper it doesn't players. mean they're bad
1: teams. But that doesn't mean they're bad teams.
2: They're schmats. They're bad <laughs> They're bad in comparison to Ohio State. Yes. Because Ohio State is a national championship contender every year and it's built differently. But they are good in comparison to what they usually are. Right? Yep. yep. So, like, there's a distinction. And I know that I am very quick on the show to say that teams suck or that they blow or that they're not, you know, good enough to – when I do that, I want people to understand that I'm doing that in in the way that I'm communicating to the Ohio State fan. We're comparing them to Ohio State. Does Michigan State, Penn State, and Iowa suck in comparison to 85% of the sport? No, absolutely not. But when we're talking about them as worthy opponents for Ohio State or teams that could potentially give Ohio State a second loss, they suck. Does that make sense?
1: I think that is a right way to say it, and and I would just add on to that that I think like Michigan and Michigan State in particular are having much better seasons than I think anyone thought they would have,
0: and they deserve and they deserve the credit, credit for that. For that. Yeah, yeah they I agree for that. Yeah, looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. All right. This one was from Apple, and I
1: found it a bit confusing, but I did say we would read everything that came through Apple. I'm not entirely sure what K-Rob here is getting at, but this was direct, directed straight to you, Ari. He writes, After the national title game, Ari sounded like my dad saying how Alabama is unbeatable and the gap is massive between the programs. K-Rob strongly disagrees. Alabama had multiple seniors from the GOAT recruiting class come back, which almost never happens. Is Ohio State better equipped to win a title with Alabama not as good and Georgia playing offense like it's coached by Jim Trussell.
2: What's the question here? Is the gap between Alabama and Ohio State big, or can Ohio State beat those teams?
1: I guess both. Why don't you address both?
2: It's the same thing that I always say on this. I always say this. When you look at it, it's like the same thing. Like Why does Texas and USC always suck? It's like you can't really put your finger on why, they just do, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the one thing that I don't understand is that Ohio State and Alabama are very similarly built. They recruit similar classes. I think Alabama, you could say, is marginally better in recruiting, but not enough where it's a huge gap and Alabama just gets more out of their their program from a results standpoint. I think you can make the case that Georgia and Ohio State are the two most over, underachieving programs in college football, and maybe not so much this past few years for Ohio State since Ryan Day took over since they made the playoff twice and played for a national championship once. But nobody could look at me with a straight face and say that Alabama isn't vastly superior to Ohio State just based on the results alone. They win a national championship, it feels like, every single year. Ohio State now is going on almost eight years without one, and they're um basically the same program. So to me, I can't put my finger on it, and it haunts me. I don't understand what it is. It's what we talked about after the national championship game. What is it that Alabama and Nick Saban do specifically that helps them churn out results at a higher, more consistent level than Ohio State, in a world where they're playing a much more difficult schedule every single year mm-hmm. and probably are more prone to losing games that they shouldn't. And, you know, I don't really answer that question. We've simplified it as Nick Saban is the GOAT. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Nick Saban's the GOAT. It doesn't, it's not a satisfying answer to me, but I can accept it. That said, I don't ever make it feel like Alabama is unbeatable. I don't think that, they, that Ohio State could never beat Alabama ever. I think Alabama's team last year was probably one of the greatest of all time. And it and it turned out, but when I had that discussion, it wasn't about individual matchups. It was about program stature. Like, I don't know if Ohio State will ever win four national championships in six years. And I don't know how anybody can do that. Alabama's done it. I don't know how. But I think is Ohio State better equipped to win a title with Bama not as good in Georgia playing offense like Jim Trestle? I think that this year, if Ohio State wanted to beat Alabama, this would be a year that they could beat Alabama. Like, Alabama, I think, is susceptible to maybe even losing again. And if they play Georgia or when they play Georgia in the SEC championship game, they will be underdogs. I'm not necessarily sure I think anybody's going to beat Georgia this year. And if anybody could, I think it could be Ohio State because they have the offense that could maybe combat a defense that embarrasses people. But to me, if you're ever wanting to look for a year where Alabama is susceptible to being beaten, I think this is a good year to start, even though Ohio State's got its own warts. It's got to work
1: out. I agree with all of that. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well said. I don't I know if that satis- I don't know if that satisfied K Rob or not, but uh, I think that yeah. was well said. Uh,
2: okay. I like K Rob's dad too, by the way. If I sound yeah. like him,
1: <laughs> let's uh, let's get into some of this defense talk here. Uh, uh, I'm going to take a nap. Yeah. Well, I am. I am, <laughs> am curious. Like it, that's why I kind of like the dynamic we have on this podcast because like I am. Obviously, closer to a day-to-day more than you are, but you still have opinions on things based off off of what you observe on the team, too. And there are different perspectives, and I think they can be interesting. So, uh, from Brandon Cook on Twitter. Brandon Cook's on my fantasy team. Brandon Cook's. This is Brandon with an O at the end and no S on the end of Cook. Oh. Uh, Could be the same guy, though. What percentage (laughs) of the credit does Matt Barnes get for this defensive improvement? Or how much can be attributed to finally identifying the best players, lack of rotation, and or Ryan Day's willingness to change the scheme slash concepts? Said another way, if Kerry Combs was still calling the plays and all the other things still occurred, would the outcome have been similar?
2: How responsible is Matt Barnes for scheduling Maryland and Rutgers?
1: <laughs> yeah, he called up He called up Kevin Warren. And Akron. So can, yeah, he can helped us out here. Yeah. Well, why don't you
2: field this one, though? You're, you're more equipped to handle this one than me.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to put a number on. Um, I guess I, I would start with the, the, the last part of the question. If everything was still the same and they made all these changes and Kerry Combs was still calling the defense, would the outcome have been similar? I Possibly, but my, my inclination is to say no. I, I do think the thing in the end that Kerry Combs kind of struggled the most with was adapting in-game. Um, and I don't know if we have enough evidence yet to say that Matt Barnes is definitively better than him at that, but I do feel like – he's shown more of a willingness to change up his looks in the handful, less than the handful of games that he's been the coordinator than Kerry Combs did in his totality um, as as defensive coordinator, which is b- practically an entire season. So I, I don't think they'd be quite the same. Um, this defense I don't think really jives with what Kerry Combs would want to do because they're playing so much zone. They play, they're play they playing zone like 80% of the time, which is like Kerry Combs wants to play man, um, and that's fine. Um, you just can't be so static in man like they want it to be in – play it almost exclusively and then have teams pick you apart and then don't do really anything to adjust to that. So um, what percentage of it goes to Barnes? I don't know because some of the stuff they were doing last year, um, you know, like cover two, they played a little bit last year and got away from it. So who put that in last year? I don't know. Kerry Combs came from a pretty diverse defense in Tennessee. So, And he said when he got hired, quote, I have a a defensive – uh, playbook as big as all outdoors, I think, is what he said. And, and he said the key was picking and choosing the right things from that for, for that specific group of players. Never really felt like they got that right until maybe the last few weeks. So um, I don't know. I think I'd give – I guess you have to give credit to Matt Barnes. I don't know if I'd give him mm, – give him like 40% maybe or 35%. It give- really
2: is hard to assign percentages yeah. and – who gets the credit for what when you're not in the rooms all day with that. correct.
1: Yeah. It's and really it's, difficult. And I think there is, I think there's a, a thought that like Carrie Combs has been totally sidelined here and marginalized and isn't part of the equation at all. I don't think that's true. I just think he's not calling the plays on Saturdays anymore, but I still think his vantage point from the press box is, is incredibly important when they're trying to get things communicated and to figure things out on the fly. I think he'll be better, a better coach for that. And he, and he said the same, um, I still think he's intimately intimately involved in the game plan. Some of the stuff they're doing with pressures I think probably comes from Kerry Combs and his experience working in Tennessee with Dean DMPs. So I I still think it's very much collaborative. So um, I don't want to do the thing that I think a lot of media members do where they just like give undue praise to assistant coaches for kind of just like showing up and doing their job. Um, That said, I do think Matt Jones has done a pretty good job. We'll see. Uh, Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes. What did I say? Matt Combs. Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Well, you know matt jones is also doing a good job
2: uh, matt barnes. <laughs> i wonder why you made that mistake there's <laughs> a question about matt
1: jones later uh matt barnes has done a good job i think he is in the middle of a like live job interview that's going to carry on for the end of the season that could leave him positioned to be ohio state's coordinator moving forward um but i also would like to see them play some better offenses which probably won't happen until january but uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what Kenneth Walker does, I guess. We'll see if Sean Clifford plays for Penn State next week. Yeah. Uh, maybe Maybe we'll think a little differently about that. Um, the next question was Kevin Duffy from the email. He said, with Kerry Combs' departure all but a done deal at season's end, where does Ohio State look to find a replacement? And I don't really think we need to speculate on who could be his replacement because, frankly, I haven't done a lot of research on that yet. But I did want to kind of address the first part. Like, are you assuming that Kerry Combs is done here?
2: Um. I think there's a good chance of it, but I'm not assuming it's a done deal.
1: Yeah, people are are are, are grabbed onto and I understand why. Kerry Combs spoke last week um <clears throat> and said like to the effect of like I'm gonna do the best job I can for Ohio State this year. <clears throat> and people really grabbed onto the this year part. And I will say, like, uh there were parts of, of his press conference where he did kind of seemed like he was trying to, you know, make it known that he did not want to be in a position that he's in here moving forward and that he can do the job of defensive coordinator somewhere successfully. So I guess I wouldn't be surprised either way if he's here or if he's not, but I, I, I would be slightly hesitant to, to grab onto that and run with it the way people are just yet, because there could be, I don't know, I guess there could be some shuffling of roles here in the off season where like there's co-coordinators or, Roles are reassigned, and, and who knows who might get an opportunity to go somewhere else. So um, I think I would lean a little more toward he's not going to be here, but I don't think it's a done deal. I, I wouldn't go that far with it.
2: Why is it with defensive plays that it's not collaborative, but on offense we can never figure out who's calling the plays?
1: I think they're – well, it just depends. I think I think it can be collaborative on both sides. It just it's always very, seems
2: like it's super collaborat- collaborative at Ohio State on offense. And on defense, it's more cut and dry. And I've I've always wondered why the dynamic was like that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, like Ryan Day is a shot caller on offense now. He works with yeah. Kevin Wilson, I suppose, but I guess it's I guess it starts with whatever side of the ball your head coach is in. So like, does it even
2: make sense for Ohio State to have somebody with the title of defensive coordinator who isn't calling the plays, or they don't trust to call the plays? Like it seems like a mismatch. So unless Kerry Combs is doing something from a game plan perspective that's going to get uh, a little bit more trust in what he's trying to do, or you know, I, I just don't know if the pieces fit.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's probably right, and ultimately, like w- w- what I think will happen is. They'll find – I actually think if somebody said right now, what do you think is going to happen, my guess would be that Matt Barnes is the defensive coordinator next year. Unless this thing goes totally off the rails, my guess is that Matt Barnes is the defensive coordinator next year and Ohio State's probably looking for a new cornerbacks coach slash secondary coach. Um,
2: Which is what what a career ascension for Matt Barnes.
1: Yeah, yeah. From uh, This is the second time this has happened to him, by the way, that he's been like uh, an anonymous almost assistant coach on the staff and then got elevated to secret play caller um, in the middle of a season. It happened to him at Maryland in 2018, and it's happening for him now. Um, I don't know. He's very highly thought of. I think he's a sharp guy. Um, Whatever he's doing now seems to be working. The players seem to be um, really responding to it well. And uh, I also think – I will say like – I don't know if Kerry Combs is going to get a defensive coordinator opportunity after this year. That would just be kind of bizarre to me. Um, but I still – and maybe I've said this on here before. I still think he could be a head coach somewhere next year. I think I think there are programs that should even look at him for that kind of job, um, particularly in the MAC or, or, like, really any G5 school because I think he'd be good in that role, especially if he hired a good defensive coordinator who can kind mm-hmm. of make up for whatever shortcomings he might have there. So,
2: Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events?
1: All right. <clears throat> you ready for a trifecta of fast food questions? Oh, yeah. Let's do, do it. it. Okay. This first one is from Cleve Lando on Twitter. If all fast food places were created equal and every order comes out perfect, meaning hot and fresh, what would be your go-to place? For example, if Ari knew he wouldn't have to wait an hour at the Wendy's drive-thru, would that be his? I'll hang up and listen. Oh, he says, I'll hang up, eat, and listen.
2: I think Wendy's is fine. Um I think they've got really good burgers for what they are. I think their spicy chicken sandwiches, tops in the game. Their fries are dog shit, and they keep changing them. And I don't even eat the new ones because I know they're going to suck. Shouldn't be this hard. You don't change your fries recipe nine times a decade uh, if they were good. Um, I think that the hardest thing about fast food, Bill, and you know this, is that every single place has their own items that are their niche. You know, or that are really good, and I actually think that Wendy's is very underrated. Their spicy nuggets are very good,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and their spicy chicken sandwich is very good, and I think their burgers very good. That said, I don't know if it's ever going to be my destination. I'm sorry, guys. I, I mean, I know that people want to make many Wendy's happy. Too many scars. It's just, I'm not <laughs> saying I won't eat it. I'm just saying, like, if I'm going to put that stuff in my body, I think I can do better.
1: So where would you go? Of all things being equal, what would you... Because I think my answer actually would be Wendy's. Um,
2: if you knew that it would be fast, hot, and fresh every time you went? Yes. McDonald's.
1: Yeah. McDonald's would probably be number two for me.
2: McDonald's is more versatile. McDonald's filet fish is really, really good when it's fresh, and it's not always 100% on point. So if I knew the filet fish was, was fresh every time, meaning soft bun, uh, super hot and uh, greasy patty of fish, and tartar and cheese melted that perfect have you yeah. ever seen that meme on on the internet that says give me this hamburger skin routine remember because the bun was
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the right filet fish is really really good i don't think wendy's is terrible i just don't think that it's good enough to deal with the hassle of eating there
1: yeah yeah i'm glad you mentioned the filet of fish because we had a uh, question from lucas uh I'm avoiding Lucas's last name because I don't know how to pronounce it the right way. Uh, from the email, he said, he presented this scenario to you, Ari. He said, Wendy's approaches your family in five years and wants your daughter to be in a commercial for them. Wendy's payment for the commercial is to pay for her college, but you can never again eat a filet of fish Do you take the deal? Yes. Not even thinking twice about it.
2: I mean, I would feel really, really sad about the filet of fish <laughs> I very much like it, but... I'm very versatile with my fried fish, but like I, I, I'll get it somewhere. I don't know that our daughter is ever going to go to college, though. I had this discussion with Britt a while back, and I wonder about if in 18 years education is going to exist in its current state.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting conversation. Want to have it right I, now? I think probably. I think perhaps not. Yeah, because um,
2: everyone's like college fund. I'm like, I'm hoping I don't have to pay for college by then because either you go to a trade school or it'll be deemed stupid or there'll be some sort of vast overhaul in the system but
1: mm-hmm. free college for everybody
2: if i mean if they if Wendy's wanted to get involved and write us a fat check for something i think i could give up flayo fish it would be good for my health um, and i would be more than happy like listen man if i were if i were a celebrity or a person that could get paid for their name image and likeness the best thing is from the company that's paying me the most. Like that's if right. Pepsi's paying me a lot, then go Pepsi. If Coke's paying me a lot, it's all Coke. The, no, one, thing that you have to, the one thing that you have to take into account when it comes to the places that are fresh, Bill, is that nobody has a better fountain drink on the face of
1: the earth than McDonald's. So that has <laughs> to be that has to be in the equation. That is a, correct. A, you know what? And I think <clears throat> I don't. I, my problem with McDonald's is I don't think their burgers are very good. Like, even when they nail it, I don't think they're very good. Their the double
2: quarter pounder with cheese, when they nail it, is every bit as good as anything you can get from Wendy's, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, they don't always nail it, though, because sometimes they've got dry buns. And when. And, and dry buns. And, like, the thing, too, is that when Wendy's misses on their burger, it's still a pretty good burger. When McDonald's yeah. misses on their burger, it sucks. So, if things are fresh and you don't have to worry about that, there's nothing better than a fresh, crisp McDonald's Coke. There's nothing better than a crisp, fresh fry from McDonald's. Yeah. I think we all can agree. And if their double quarter powder of cheese is hot, ready, and fresh with a soft bun and juicy patties, it's one of the best burgers in fast food. Not to mention that the older I get, the more I like their nuggets the most. The batter on it, I think that McDonald's has the best nuggets maybe outside of Chick-fil-A, um, but like mcdonald's is versatile and they've got desserts and if everything's functioning and working then their ice cream machine's never down and like everything <laughs> is great like if you like mcdonald's when it's hitting
1: is perfect you heard it here first or first uh, four to six with B is anti dry buns and pro juicy patties That's uh, right. <laughs> uh last uh fast food question from and by the way i think you made me change my mind um to clevelando's question i think my answer is not mcdonald's um <laughs> good. from That's Jacob good. Jacob arifus because you got your egg mcmuffins there too pal like best, i don't know what I, like there's it's no, the best value i had
2: wendy's food. breakfast and i managed and i only had it once but i thought it was awful i was um, very disappointed
1: i've had it twice i think both times i thought it was pretty good um but yeah the sausage mcmuffin from mcdonald's is the best value in fast food it's dollar kidding me uh from lucas or no sorry from jacob arifus via the email you guys give a lot of fast food love to different places, but never much to Burger King. Every dad that I know loves Burger King. Has that changed for you, Ari? Listen, I would die
2: <laughs> if anybody ever said that Burger King didn't have the best breakfast. And if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know that about me. Like Burger King's croissant, which in French. I mean, uh, not French fries. The hash browns are the elite of the elite. Also, I think a good whopper's good. I think it's good because they've got the best veggies in the game. Also, I think Wendy's fries are really good. I mean, sorry. King. Oh, God, oh, God, no. Uh, clip it, clip it, clip it. <laughs> John, can you cut that out? <laughs> Wendy's fries are terrible. I think Burger King's fries are pretty good. And the original chicken sandwich, that long one. Have you ever had that?
1: Oh, yeah, that's re- I, I do. That's
2: a that. really good sandwich, too. So, like, Burger King's fine. I like it. I, I Burger King is never my choice for lunch if I have fast food options elsewhere, but it is 100% my choice for fast food breakfast
1: every time. Do you – I know uh, I know you've been trying to eat a little better lately, and I wish I was too. I'm wondering if the – has the fast food calculus changed at all for you now that you live in Dallas and places like Whataburger yes. and In-N-Out are available? Absolutely, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
2: Like I don't eat McDonald's for lunch. Like I'll, I won't go there. Like if I have an In-N-Out or Whataburger like available to me, I will pick those two over McDonald's I think.
1: Yeah, I would too. We don't really have that. I guess the closest thing we would the have The only that, calculus as as like, that changes
2: – Is if I want a burger, but like if I want chicken nuggets or I want fish or whatever, then I would go to those other places. But we also have Shake Shack's everywhere here too. Oh, nice! Like Dallas really is an elite eating city.
1: Yeah.
2: there's just about everything that you can. There's a place called Brahms here. I think you've been to Brahms. Good, yeah, yeah. Brahms Brahms is is really good too. Like there's a lot of places that you know you can get your get your fill at and. Like, McDonald's is everywhere, and they're, like, every other corner of the street. You can see McDonald's. And the calculus has changed that where if I eat something like that, I try to make it different. So they Jack in the Box. Like, a lot of places that they just didn't have in Ohio for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I'm going to, like, go out and put garbage in my body, <laughs> I don't think I just want to have the things that, I, that were at my disposal for the last 10 years. I like to, to switch it up a little bit.
1: Yeah. Diversify your garbage. Yeah. Um, we had... <clears throat> Two, two questions that actually kind of caught me a little bit off guard because I was surprised that people were thinking along these lines, but I, I think it could lead to some interesting discussion. Uh, the first was an email from – I'm just going to say Easy, and if it's not that, I, I apologize um, – wrote, uh, been following since Cleveland.com days and, and says, in hindsight, it seems like in pure football terms that Quinn Ewer's early enrollment has not been great. Um, obviously, he should he should secure the bag, but it feels like maybe he messed up the quarterback timeline, especially with C.J. Stroud playing so well, and perhaps even halted momentum in the 2022 recruiting class. Is this an irrelevant worry of a spoiled Buckeye fan or a leg- legitimate concern moving forward? And then there was a five-star review from C.O. Buckeye who said, uh, what happens with Quinn Ewers if C.J. Stroud is in New York this year for the Heisman Trophy celebration? I think people are worried about Quinn Ewers' future. I would not be. <laughs> I don't think he's going to Yeah, anywhere. I think that it's possible. Do you think it's
2: possible that that – is it possible that C.J. Stroud wins the Heisman this year and then doesn't win the job next year?
1: I think that C.J. Stroud would be Ohio State's starting quarterback to start the year next year. But I think over time, Quinn Ewers will be in a position where he could really challenge for that. And if he overtook it, I wouldn't be surprised by it. Like, And I think that's the scenario that everyone had in mind for him was like pulling the – Trevor Lawrence Kelly Bryant kind of deal now I think CJ Stroud is much better than Kelly Bryant and we'll see if Quinn Ewers is nearly as good as Trevor Lawrence but I think I know people think that he's going to be um but I'm not sure any of this like changes what Quinn Ewers thought his scenario was going to be if he had just stayed in high school this year because listen in next year
2: next year if he were to come in at the right time he would have been behind CJ Stroud who was a red you know that's it Right, right so it's the same thing
1: do you I don't do you give any credence to the idea that losing him in the 2022 class stunted the momentum of that class at all?
2: I think it did from a numbers standpoint. I th- when you have the number one overall player in, in the country in your class, um, it kind of helps you with the numbers. But uh, you know that's a huge thing. So you know, take it for what it's worth. I don't know if his like leadership from Texas Southlake was. Uh, the most amazing thing in the entire world. But, you know, from a number standpoint, it certainly hurt. And then losing Jaheim Singletary did too. But they did just pick up a top 100 player. So, you they know, did. we'll That's see how it ends. A,
1: I thank you for mentioning that. They had picked up two commitment, commitments since the last time we did a podcast Kenyatta Jackson, a top 100 defensive end from South Florida. And Avery Henry, a decidedly not top 100 offensive tackle uh, from St. Clairsville, Ohio. He's uh, the 145th. Uh, ranked tackle, I think, in, in the country, but he's a he's a big athlete. I get it. I like those kind of players.
2: So, what do you think of the the fifth, the number fifteen hundred overall player in the country uh, commitment? Do you want to break that down real quick for us, Bill, offensive line guru?
1: I think there should be room for a guy like that. At least one guy like that in every one of Ohio State's recruiting classes, and it doesn't mean you just randomly take a. Flyer you think there on a should guy. be one? You yeah, think there yeah. has to be one? Why would there have? No, to No, I don't be think one? there has to be one. Oh. But I think like, if you don't take one, I'm like, what the hell? Why did you take one of these guys? <laughs> That's what I thought that but, you meant. Was, but like, if if Ohio State wanted to have a spot for a guy like that in its class every year, which is to say, an under recruited, under evaluated offensive linemen because it is the hardest position to evaluate and these people who do these recruiting rankings are often wrong about offensive linemen um, just because it's so difficult. Um, I'd be okay with that. And Ohio State has a good track record with it. Like, look at the Juan Jones. I think Josh Fryers on that track. Um, I'm like kind of curious to see what Trey LaRue becomes. So, I don't think you load up on them. I think you can maybe make the argument they took too many of that kind of player in 2020. But if you're going to take one like that, I'm okay with that. I, th- I think – I find those guys very interesting, and, and the payoff – the payoff there could be big, and I'm not sure the risk there is all that high.
2: Yeah, I mean, unless you're only taking a 23-person class and that person takes up a scholarship from somebody else, then the risk is high.
1: Yeah, but he's not. I mean, if they thought – if if that if they thought that was the case, they wouldn't have taken him.
2: Yeah. Like, they're not going
1: to not take, like, Cam Dewberry now because they got Avery Henry. Um, I think they did that. Who's that Papa Wallace in the background there. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it sure is.
1: <laughs> All right, one more, Bill. Ari's taking me on a tour of his house, and his dad's in the background. Okay, one more question. Let's do this one. I thought this was interesting. Uh, there were some offensive line questions. If you want to know what I think about that, go read the athletic. The slash four six. I wrote about it. Um, five star review. Actually, we have two more five star reviews. Okay. No, we have three four three more five star reviews. We gotta get. We're gonna now, We're gonna rapid fire them kg in ohio you mentioned matt jones being uh going into the lineup Is it too much of a change to just start him for luke whipler at center he was recruited to center and i believe uh that position is probably the quote weakest on the line right now would you put matt jones as your starting center right now for the rest of the year
2: i don't know what would you do
1: i would consider it um he is the backup center apparently greg sudrawa you, said that you had week. matt
2: jones on your mind earlier on the podcast so i'm not surprised by this
1: i did uh I think he is one of their five best linemen, and they need to find a way to get him on the field. And while Luke Whippler has played well.
2: I thought Luke Whippler's played really well, and he was the number one center in his class, too. So I don't know if this is a, open and shut.
1: In a tough spot. No, no, no. It's not that I think – I don't think Luke Whippler's bad. I would at least, like, let them have it out in practice. Maybe Luke Whippler wins that. Yeah. Um, but I would look for a way to get Matt Jones on the field more consistently because I think he's really good. Um, from Tom B 719 from Apple. Uh, I know that field turf may not be an exciting topic, but there's a lot of noise around it uh, on the Twitter sphere because Ohio State's getting new turf in the stadium next year, and they did a competition, I think, where they want like fan designs for the turf field. What do you guys want to see on the field next season?
2: I think that the outline of the state of Ohio line on the midfield
1: design one was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. I also like but what's the your sh- preference for en- end zones script script writing, uh, I don't know, whatever form you want to do that in, but I think a script Ohio end zone would look pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Do you think red end zones is the play?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe like a, a, yeah, a red end zone with like a white script Ohio I think would work, or a gray because script Ohio Because it used to be
2: work. a green end zone back in the day before they had field turf and it was grass. Yeah. It used to be a grass, a grass end zone with the words Ohio state on there that with gray, and there wasn't a lot of red on their field. There never used to be a lot of red on their field, and now there's a lot. So I just didn't know if you thought they should revert back to the way the field used to be, or if you put Ohio script Ohio in the end zone uh, or do script in the end zones, you put the Buckeye leaves on the 35-yard lines, and then you have this, the block O at midfield with the, with the uh, outline of Ohio uh, border around the block O. I think it's a sharp look.
1: Yeah, I think it would be pretty sharp too. You went on a gray field, go Boise State style, make the field turf gray?
2: No, no, no. The, the turf should be green, uh, but I think that gray end zones make sense.
1: Yeah, I could get a, I can get on board with gray end zones. Yeah. I'm State not a graphic
2: designer, but some of these people have been done, doing a pretty
1: good job of it. I'm excited to see what they pick. State of Ohio uh, midfield, I think, is is the right call. All right, last question from Sambito on Apple. If Ohio State ever played a game in a foreign country like the NFL does in the UK, what country do you want to see them play in? I would love to see them play in Australia and get a commitment from the next five-star Aussie punter slash receiver. I promise I didn't write this question. Israel. <laughs> That'd be great. put them in Tel Aviv. They get a football stadium in Tel Aviv. I
2: mean, I think London uh, makes a lot of sense because there are football fans there. Right. And like Ireland is pretty cool. I just don't know. Like if you just said like Beijing, if that is like, (laughs) it'd be great because it'd be completely foreign and across the world in the purest sense of the word. But it also like wouldn't be in a place where people would appreciate it. So right. Like I, I, this is a hard question. I think Australia makes a ton of sense. Um, Mexico, they've had games down there. Mexico City was one I thought of, yeah. I think
1: uh, Ohio State's got this series coming up with Notre Dame. If they wanted to put one of those games in Dublin, I wouldn't be upset about that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and – that makes sense since the whole Irish thing. Like, That's right. you know what I mean? Like That's there's right. a connection yeah. to these sorts of things. It's just like I, I don't know if like I want to see Ohio State Maryland play in Thailand. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, <laughs> but it's an interesting question.
1: Could you imagine? The NFL does uh, send all its shittiest teams to the UK to make those fans. No, they, no the, the oh, London that. game was uh,
2: Jacksonville versus Miami. Miami. Like, That's really gonna expand the the interest of <clears throat> of football out there in the in the in the English lands. But uh, yeah, okay, so the baby's crying. Will you just wrap it up for me? Yeah, sure. I'm so right. sorry. I, I I'm doing my best I can here, guys. The
1: guys guy he's running on empty. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll wrap up four to six with AB. Thank you, everyone, for the questions. We appreciate it. Uh, again, please leave a five review on Apple. Ohio State, Indiana, Saturday night in Bloomington. We will talk to you guys after that game.